Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. Today we're wrapping up this series we've been doing called Routine Maintenance. Routine Maintenance. I really believe that God could have something new for some of you today. Uh, If you've been here throughout the beginning of this year, we've been talking about parts of our lives that as believers we do these things on a regular basis. And they might even seem a little bit routine. But these things that are routine, we do regularly, they make all the difference in our lives. Now, if you're new or you're coming back to faith, uh, these are actions we take and they enable us to put our faith in action each day. And they're also things that keep our relationship with Jesus healthy. Uh, they even keep the check engine light of our heart from coming on. That's what we have on the screen. You might recognize the check engine light there. Somewhat like the vehicles that many of us drive each day. Now, if you drive a vehicle, which most of you have or do, unless you're too young, don't you guys be driving until it's time? Uh, If you drive one, you've probably seen a light come on similar to this one on the screen. That's the check engine light. That one specifically is particular to Volkswagens. Uh, Volkswagens are cool cars, and it's a cool light. And if you drive a Volkswagen, you see that light more than you would like to see it. That's just the way that it works. And if that light comes on, there's probably some kind of maintenance that needs to be done. We've talked in terms of vehicles, you have to go back and listen, but oil changes and the nuts and bolts, and we talked a couple weeks ago about the right tires, and in terms of our lives as believers, we talked about personal devotions and going to church and serving uh, through giving and encouragement, that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. If you want to know how we put those examples together, you'll have to go listen to the podcast or find the YouTube link, easy to find if you know how to use a phone or the internet, which I know all of you do. Uh, But when we talk about routine maintenance, we're not talking about being boring and repetitive because that is not good. We're talking about routine maintenance and living with purpose because we want our relationship with Jesus to be better. We're living with purpose. This final week is kind of an extension of what we did two weeks ago when we talked about serving. Uh, We talked about serving through giving and encouraging two weeks ago. And uh, today we're talking about something Uh, Many of us love to do in a car. We're talking about taking a road trip. Of course, if you're going to take a road trip, you want to make sure that whatever vehicle you are taking is ready for the trip. Some of you who maybe have not done that, you've been stranded, and that's the worst part of a road trip, right, if you get stranded. You want to make sure you're not going to see any of these warning lights coming on like this guy here. Uh, You want to make sure all the little things are tightened up and fixed. You want to make sure you've got good tires. But most importantly, you want to make sure. You're wondering, why does he have a gas station bag right here? Well, I'll tell you. Most importantly, you got to have good snacks if you're going to go on a road trip, right? So I have here the uh, Jackson's uh, regular old coffee. If I go on a road trip, this is you're going to see some of this. This one, I hadn't had one in a while. It was a little more bitter than I remember, to be honest. <laughs> if you're going to go on a road trip, man, you got to have some important stuff. you got to have something like... The rolled gold straight pretzels. These are the best. If you're wondering why the bag is not open, it's because I just bought them. I'm going to put them in my office so my kids can't find them. That's what's going to happen with them. Put this guy here. I don't have a big table. You are going to need something. My wife gave me these for Valentine's Day. Uh, some Snickers bars. This is the sweet the sweet candy I like. Little, some little Snickers bars. That's good stuff there. Now you also, sometimes you don't want the hot caffeine, so you've got to have the cold caffeine. So you got to have the Coke Zero, right? That just kind of goes along. You stop at the gas stations and you get this stuff, right? And if you're really struggling with staying awake, whoops, 
you probably need to make sure that you have one of these guys. Let's go, Pastor Joey says. Now, this is, they kind of go in order. Like, if you really need a good jolt, the, uh, the coffee, if you just want something refreshing with the pretzels or the Snickers, the Coke Zero, if you're struggling to stay awake, the Red Bull. That's the way that it works. Now, there is a time, uh, the first time I ever really tried Red Bull, where I drank eight of them on one trip. I'll tell you that story another time because it's not really pertinent, but uh, <laughs> it's a true story. Honest to goodness, true story. So I'll save that one for when it makes a little more sense. You're going to go on a road trip. You got to have your car all figured out. You got to have the snacks ready to roll. But the, here's the other thing. You got to have the snacks, but it's not, uh, uh, the point of a road trip is that you're going to go somewhere. You're going to get in the car, you're going to go somewhere. But it's not really a road trip unless you have somebody with you. You could go by yourself. You can get the snacks, get the car ready. You can go by yourself, but if you go by yourself, it's just a long, lonely drive. Not really a road trip. You see, going together with somebody else, that's what changes it from a long, boring drive to a road trip. And we all know the best memories are made on road trips with other people. If you've never been on one, I encourage you to try it. Pick a place, put someone in the car, and see what happens. There's things that would be annoying and frustrating, and they become memorable if there are other people with you. There's just something that happens when we go together. Uh, I have so many, like a lot of you when I was in college, and uh, I did a lot of driving. So many examples of this. I was thinking of this one, one uh, trip I took, the one time I've been to Whistler to ski ever. Um, I went to Canada with uh, this church group in Seattle. Not my church, different church, and I went with one of my best friends, Jeremy. Uh, he went to the college group. He invited me. I love to ski. And he had one of his good friends, Lance, who became one of my good friends later on, but I had never met until this moment. He was going to ride with us. Now, this was pre-9-11, so things were not nearly as crazy when you cross borders and things, but we're going from Seattle up through Canada, uh, into Canada, into Vancouver and stuff. And there's lots of crazy things that happen on this trip. But the first one was we're driving and we're waiting in the security line to get through into Canada. And you know what they have, especially now, but even before, they have these big signs. And the signs say, do not joke when you're crossing the border. Don't make any jokes. Anything you say will be taken seriously. You will be arrested if you joke. Right? So we're driving through, right? Me, Jeremy's in the passenger seat, Lance is in the back. And I kid you not, we pull up to the, the shack and the lady says, do you have any weapons? And I say, no ma'am. She goes, straight face, no rocket launchers, no grenades. And I'm like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to answer this question. Is she joking or what's going on? She's trying to lighten the mood, you know. So that was one thing. And then she says, who do you got with you today? I said, oh, this is my friend Jeremy. And then I just met Lance and I kind of blanked on his name for a second. And I said, uh, there's Lance in the back. And Lance was laying, side, laying down in the back, and he's Filipino, so he had darker skin. And uh, She said, oh, Lance, what's Lance's last name? I did not know Lance's last name. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, Lance, what's your last name? <laughs> he says, Ordonez. Lance Ordonez, ma'am. <laughs> she led us through. We went, we skied on the way back. This is the honest-to-goodness truth. Uh, we were driving back. From Vancouver, B.C., down through Canada. This is way before Google Maps and all this stuff. This is late 90s, you know. Uh, so you did not have this in your car. We're driving, and we're all into sports. In fact, later on, me and uh, Jeremy and Lance, we'd play these epic wiffle ball games till the middle of the night all the time in the summer in Seattle. Uh, but we're driving, and we start playing this game. 
Some of you will appreciate it. Some will think this is the most inane, dumbest thing you've ever heard. But we're driving, and we start playing this game where the whole point of the game is you say a college, and a college is a mascot, and you just, just go around a circle until you can't go anymore. So you're just testing your knowledge of sports mascots. So we're just going around and around and around, and I, this is the honest to goodness truth. We missed our spot to go from Canada back in the United States by 200 miles. We're just... We're just driving, and we're just going around and around. I'm pulling out these inane mascots, these crazy ones, because I've been following Boise State, and they play all these tiny teams, and they're from Seattle. We're just pulling out these crazy things. My friend Jeremy got out on Boise State because he said Mustangs instead of Broncos, and I was, like, gloating. And then we realized, where are we? This does not look like where we came through. And back in those days, you don't just pull out your phone, right? You have to stop at a gas station. So we had to stop, ask where we were, figure out we're halfway to, towards Spokane, you know. All of that stuff, so frustrating, maybe scary if you nearly get arrested at the border, you know, for bringing maybe a strange person through. All that stuff is frustrating unless you have people with you, then it becomes memorable. You see, when we go together, you share the experience. You share the driving. There's conversations you probably would not have had otherwise. You might stop for food somewhere that you wouldn't have stopped if it was up to you. And you can get from one place to another by yourself, and that has its place. But it's a road trip when you have somebody else with you. I guarantee you that Jeremy and Lance, they would tell you something similar about that whole trip with their own specific twist, of course. Jeremy would conveniently leave out the fact that he got out on Boise State Mustangs by saying the wrong thing. As we wrap up our series today, uh, we're taking our faith from a solitary drive to a road trip by using our gifts together, by serving God's people both in and out of the church, but doing it together. Because you see, God did not create us to sit on the sidelines. Whatever you think about God, he did not create you to do nothing. Did not create us to sit on the sidelines. You might feel like, maybe in the context of the gifts you have, that uh, you don't have the ones you wish you had. Wish I had cooler gifts, Lord. You might feel like you've disqualified yourself by making too many mistakes. You might feel like the gifts God gave you are not as helpful as the gifts God gave everybody else. But I believe God wants every person that's here today, hearing this, however you hear it, he wants you to know that he made you to do something. Two weeks ago, we talked about uh, how we serve through giving financially and through encouragement. Today, we're ending talking about serving by using the gifts and talents that God has given us. And when we use the gifts and talents that we have to serve other people, it, it puts feet to our faith like nothing else. So this morning, we're going to talk about going on the road trip of faith together, using our gifts, doing it together. And by the way, these concepts, they apply outside of church. It really makes sense the most, along with the relationship with God. But this stuff applies outside of church as well. But the first reason we go on the road trip of serving is, number one, God has commanded us to use the gifts he has given us. God has commanded us to use the gifts that he's given us. Right here at the beginning, I just kind of want to double down on what I said a minute ago. There is not a single person, single believer, who can't serve by using the gifts God has given them. I don't care if you've known God for one minute, 100 years, you can serve. You might be thinking, if you are a little bit cynical, like I tend to be sometimes, yeah, of course the pastor wants me to serve at the church. He wants me to go be the church's slave. It's not how it is at all. Um, but we do want to establish that this is a directive that comes from God. He's commanded us to serve. 
Uh, we're going to look at a few different scriptures today, but look first with me if you have a Bible or device or whatever. First Peter 4, 10 and 11 is this first little scripture. We're going to read just a couple of verses out of the New Testament. It says this, First Peter 4, 10 and 11, reading to you out of the NIV. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So much power in what Peter says here. We mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but it bears some repeating today, and that is that serving, it takes the focus off of us and it places it on others. When we serve, we do stuff for other people, it takes the focus off of me and he puts it somewhere else. This is such a fundamental part of living a life that is joyful, serving. Before we look more closely at this first Peter scripture, I just want to point something out. Proverbs 11.25 says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So not just me telling you this concept, well, yeah, if you help others, you'll feel better. The Bible says so. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. We talked two weeks ago about how in the Old Testament, Jesus said it, Paul said it, when we give generously, we receive generously. It's the way that the world is set up in all parts of life. But the important part of this proverb scripture today is the second part. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. In our world, many times, even as believers in God, we spend all kinds of time looking for the secret of happiness. All kinds of time, people walking around, I just want to be happy, I just want to be content. The secret of feeling good about life. But here it is in six simple words right here in Proverbs. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When we serve others in any way, it has a way of refreshing our spirit. Can't explain it, except that's the way that God made it. So knowing that, that God refreshes us in that way, let's look at that First Peter scripture again, kind of break it down a little bit. We see in that first part really plainly, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. There's the command right at the beginning. Each of you should use whatever gift you have. If we're wanting to feel our, if we're wanting our Christian life to fulfill us like we've always hoped, if we want the vehicle we're driving, to use the metaphor, to take us to the destination, this is a part you can't skip. There's things when you're going to go on a road trip, you can't skip them. It would be like deciding, choosing not to serve would be like deciding, you know what, I'm going to go on this road trip, but this whole time I'm refusing to get gas. Yep, the trip is 500 miles. I know I can go 320 and take a gas, but I'm not getting gas. I'm just not doing it. You can decide you don't need the gas if you want to. You can make that choice if you'd like, but you're not going to get to your destination. You can decide, you can try it, but you're not getting there. All of us should use the gifts we have to serve others, it says. And you can decide you want to have a fulfilled Christian life without serving, but if you try it, you won't get there. When I read that scripture, there's something else I see that's so important in that first sentence. And that is, there is no if. There's no if. It does not say, use whatever gift you have if you have a gift. The if does not exist. There is no if written down because it is not a question for every single one of us. It's not a question if we have a gift. It's a question of whether we decide to use the gift we've been given. There's no question every one of us has a gift. Each of you means everyone is included. 
And the lack of an if means that every single person has a gift. So we all have gifts that we must use. It's pretty obvious. The second half of verse 10, this part is so important, man. It says, we are able to do so as faithful stewards of God's grace. And it's really important to understand that verse, what a steward is. A steward is someone who is responsible for something that belongs to somebody else. We're stewards of God's gifts. You see, it is God who, in his infinite grace, who has given us every gift and talent that we have. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, James chapter 1 tells us. And if we are stewards of God's grace, then these gifts and talents that we often claim as ours, these gifts that even sometimes make us act pridefully, those gifts don't belong to us in the first place. For stewards of God's grace, our gifts don't belong to us in the first place. And we just saw the purpose of the gift is to serve others and not to exalt ourselves. Man, I don't know about you, but for me, it changes everything about the way I approach what I do each day. If my gifts don't belong to me in the first place, and the purpose of those gifts is to help others, that means they're not meant to serve me. If the gifts come from God, then whatever benefit that I receive, I can trust that those benefits, they come from God as well. God can give me the recognition, the benefit. He can give me all that stuff if I need to have it. And he can choose to not. It's up to God, not me. Verse 11, I believe, talks specifically about how we serve. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. When we use our gifts to serve, we should do it as if those gifts are coming straight from God because they are. All the awesome stuff you do in your life, it doesn't come from you. It comes from God. And Peter purposely emphasizes different types of gifts here. One that people often notice, the speaking, and one that people often don't notice. And what this tells us is that, yeah, the gifts sometimes do bring recognition. He talks about the gifts that are not usually noticed and everything in between. But it doesn't matter what the gift is, all of them are from God. And all of them should be used with the strength we can muster, and all of them are valuable. Every gift you have that you can use, they are all valuable, equally valuable. Man, knowing that our gifting and our talent is from God, it does not make us use those with any less passion. In fact, hopefully, it makes us press in all the more. Man, this gift came from God. I'm going to use it with all I have in me. And all of that changes the why of why we use our gifts. I hope you catch this part today. That that part is summed up in this final part of uh, verse 11. Last part of verse 11 says this. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen means so be it. You see, when we start to understand that we are simply stewards, the gifts don't belong to us, but we lean into what God has given us. We remember that all of it is so the name of Jesus is lifted high. Like verse 11 says, this is the important part, then the burden of having to succeed, it's lifted from us. That's why our heart is refreshed. When we understand we're stewards of God's gifts, the God's gifts, the burden of needing to succeed, it's lifted from us. The gifts come from God. The results glorify God. All we have to do is commit to serving. In terms of it being like a road trip, God's command is just to go. You get in the car and you go. 
you do the maintenance, you pack the car, you pack the friends, you get all your favorite snacks, make sure you have all the different types of caffeine prepared. Just don't take eight Red Bulls, maybe one or two is plenty. And you go towards your destination. You stop worrying about what might happen. You stop worrying about a better weather or a better vehicle or a better destination or better people to go with. You get in the car and you press on towards the destination that God has for you. And here's the thing. You don't know what adventure awaits until you get out of the driveway. And we don't know everything that God has for us when it comes to serving others until we put those gifts and talents in motion. And God's command to us is very simple. Serve others. Second reason we go on the road trip of using our gifts is this. Using our gifts unites us with other believers. See, one of the greatest things about a road trip is the people you're doing it with. In fact, the road trip often has this really strange power where even if it's people where we maybe would not normally have interacted with them, maybe it's people we purposely would have avoided if we had a choice, the only thing we have in common with them is that we both want to get to the same place. And if we decide they can go with us, then we have to pay half the gas. But somehow by the time we get there and we get back, it seems like we've been friends for decades. Man, I could take the rest of the morning up by telling you stories of road trips and cars breaking down and hilarious things happening with people that if I saw them today, it would be like the thing happened just yesterday. And I think there's a few reasons for this. The sheer time that you spend on a road trip in the car, it kind of forces your hand a little bit. You run out of the normal things to talk about pretty quick. Sometimes you run into unusual situations. You weather it together. And then when you do that, you're united for the foreseeable future, if not for life. And friends, I'm here to tell you, I'm so certain of this, that using our gifts in service of God alongside God's people it has incredible power to unite us. I'm going to be united with other believers. Go serve next to them. It's so much different uh, than it often is when we are using God's gifts outside the church even. Not that we aren't to do so. Not that that's not valuable because it totally is. God has given us gifts and talents to use for him in every area of life we walk in. Almost always, though, in our workplace, on our sports team, other places outside of God's kingdom, Eventually, we stop working together because our goals don't match up with someone else's goals. We've got different goals with someone, so we stop working together. But here's the amazing thing about using our gifts within the context of the family of God. I'm talking about the Big C Church, not just this church, the Big C Church, all the way down to the local church. See, using our gifts, it unites us as believers, not because of the recognition we receive. Using our gifts, it doesn't unite us because then we look awesome. It unites us because of the God we serve. We can go on the trip together and we can enjoy it and we can be with the people because we are behind the same cause. By the way, this works in any workplace, sports team, whatever, you name it. A team of people that's working for a goal that is common to the team and not just their own, exponentially more effective, more enjoyable to be around. A lot of you have experienced that. There's this great chapter that we often reference when we talk about using our gifts within the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read a little bit from it. We're not going to read and unpack the entire thing today like we sometimes do. But we're going to highlight just a couple parts of it. 
I want to draw your attention, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 4 through 6, says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Same God at work. You see, when it comes to serving together in God's church, in the end, remember, it's God's church. It's not ours. This church belongs to God, not me. Verse 4 that we just read contains this really uh, high, uh, this idea of high importance. But it's a really important idea we sometimes don't act on. And that is that there is not a type of gift that's more valuable than another. No gift you have is more valuable or less valuable than somebody else's. You see, sometimes we tend to value, especially in church, we value specific gifts that place us in areas of recognition. People who sing, people who can play an instrument, people who can teach, people who can do something that's in front of people. And we sometimes tend to value those higher than we do gifts that place us in areas of service. Teaching a kid's class, shoveling a parking lot, organizing a kitchen. Shout out to Miss Marianne who organizes our kitchen within an inch of its life, and it's amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> the thing is, all those gifts are of the same value. And it's just not me, the guy who runs the church, saying this. This is God saying this. How do we know they are equally important? Well, because all of the gifts, they come from the one who gives the good and perfect gifts, James chapter 1 says. And it's because it's the same spirit that distributes them all. The same God distributes them. The same spirit distributes them. What that means in a practical sense is that going over a coloring page with a preschooler, holding a baby in the nursery, it's of equal value to leading worship, preaching a message. They're equal. There are things that we as the Big C Church, not just our church, just the church around the world, we often say, but we don't always prove them with our actions. Not, our, not speaking specifically of our church or any church specifically, just giving you examples, okay? Sometimes we say, hey, ministering to kids matters. But all of our new volunteers, when they come in, they head to the stage of the sanctuary. They don't go to the kids' classes. Because if they go to the kids' classes, nobody sees them in there. Maybe they have a gift we really value that will put them in front of people. Sometimes we say, hey, preaching the gospel around the world really matters. But we don't talk about it that much. If we look at our finances, all the money goes to our specific thing instead of outside our congregation. We don't spend much on missions. But when we make a choice that we are using our gifts and preaching the gospel together, it has the power to unite us like nothing else. Nothing like being on a team of people that's behind the same goal. And when the kids teacher and the greeter and the sound person, the people on the stage, all feel like they're on the same mission, man, there's some beautiful unity that happens. It's amazing. Now, one person may receive recognition and one may not. That's kind of the way people are wired. 2 Corinthians 12, 5, and 6 tells us that we may do different tasks. There are, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. We serve the same Lord. And the work that we might do, it might vary greatly, but God is the one that we are working for. If you've ever been on any kind of a team, man, I just reiterate this. You know how much better it feels if the team does well and you don't do well. Because there's power in doing something together. And a group of people that understand, hey, we're all save, serving the same Lord. It has the ability to bring heaven to earth. 
And in a practical sense, when we make a choice to value every gift that comes from God at the same level, what it does is it gives us a greater appreciation for the gifts that God has given others. A lot of times, it really, to understand this, it simply takes looking outside of our comfort zone. Volunteering in an area that's maybe not our strong suit because, man, they need someone to help in there. Some things it's really easy to appreciate. Some things it is. For me, it is really easy to appreciate somebody who is skilled at art. Drawing, like creating a piece of art. Because you know what? As much as I would love to create beautiful pictures, paint beautiful pictures, or even draw a picture that is nice, I can't do it. It's awful. Like if I try and draw cool stick figures, I can't draw cool stick figures. This is bad. I might be able to, like some of you can do, follow instructions and make something that's technically not awful because I followed an artist's instructions. But I can't make a piece of art that comes from me. It's just not in there. Now, for some of you, you might be able to wrangle a few kids. You might be able to keep them from injuring themselves. If you go to a class, you're like, boy, we need someone to help. I'm going to step in here. I'm going to hold these kids apart from killing each other. But when you see someone who is truly gifted when it comes to teaching kids, you realize how precious that gift is. I, man, I remember so vividly in COVID uh, when all the kids had to be homeschooled, uh, whatever, Whatever you believe about that, it was a fact of life. We had to have our kids home, and we had to homeschool then. My wife and I thought, you know what? We are intelligent people. We have college degrees. We can teach our kids. And yes, we could teach them the math and the reading and the stuff. We could take the worksheets. We could go over them. We could log into the Google Classroom or whatever it was we needed to do. But man, we do not have the gift of being in a classroom to teach kids like teachers do. And when they got back in the class and they were around their teachers that God had given that gift to, man, there was a huge difference. And that gift, it's every bit as valuable as singing a song, preaching a message, whatever. When we see the value in the gifts that God has given other people, it changes everything about how we interact with each other. And the only way to, only way to do it is to go serve with others. When we serve together, we start to pull towards that same cause instead of compete for resources and recognition. Man, that's such a big deal. Even in churches, instead of pulling towards what well, we want people to know the Lord, we compete for resources. But when it's God that's glorified instead of us, we understand, like we said, those gifts, not ours in the first place. We go on that mission together instead of ferociously holding on to our little corner. I believe one of the things we have to do as a church our church, every church, is value each gift equally. Value each ministry equally. And it doesn't mean the recognition is the same necessarily because it's difficult to control what people latch on to. But we do see in how we value our time, our resources, and our encouragement. And when we do it this way, we can start to understand what 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen says. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. To really simplify this idea, last little illustration for you today. If you had a stage full of only bass players, Pastor Chase says amen. Yeah, we're all about it. You taught all the kids' teachers to play bass. You thought, you know what? Bass playing is amazing. I think I'm going to teach every single person in the church to play bass, and we're going to have seven bass players. And that's, we're going to sing the songs, do seven bass players every week. That's all. 
You insisted they do it. You know what? Bass playing is important. Must have bass players. So important we need to have seven. The bass players might think it's awesome. We might be up here figuring out different things to play, worshiping through the bass solos, right? But we're the only ones that would think it is awesome. We wouldn't reach many people except maybe a few bass players. See, we can go on the road trip together when we submit our gifts to God. We understand they're all different. They're all equally important. What that scripture says is we allow the pieces to fit together. And we have that same goal. It's the most important part. The goal is for people to know Jesus and to know him better. The amazing part is when we start to do that, we start trying to reach people together. Those greeters, the tech people, the kids teachers, worship team, the people who are speaking, everything in between. We find out we have a lot in common. You put us in the car for the road trip. We all get the snacks we want to have. Points us towards a destination. And something beautiful just might come out of it. Finally, we go on the road trip of serving today. Because number three, the mission needs us. The mission needs us. You know, one of the quickest ways to make a check engine light come on uh, in a car is to let it sit. Right? You don't go drive a car for four to six months. Go, drive, go try and start that thing and see how it goes. The parts are designed to be, be used, and they start to break when they just sit around. And Jesus gives us this challenging statement, Luke chapter 10. He says this to his followers that he's about to send out to the surrounding communities. Jesus says this to his followers, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus said this to his followers that he was about to send out to the surrounding communities. If you've been in church very much, you've probably heard this scripture before. I don't admit that many of us who regularly farm these days, but we do understand the terms that are being used here, right? The point being is that harvesting happens after all the preparation, all the waiting has already been done. It's the last step. And notice what Jesus does not say. He does not say to us, hey, the seed is ready to plant, just don't have anybody to plant it. The seed's already been planted. He doesn't even say, hey, the seed is planted, now you just gotta wait a while while we water it so it's ready. Now, when it comes to salvation of mankind, all that stuff that takes a lot of time, it's already been done. And Jesus is saying to us as his people today, the planting, the waiting, it's already been done. What remains to be done now is the bringing in of the crops. Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What we must understand today is that harvest time it does not accomplish much without people to do the harvesting. The crop can sit out there, but if there's not people to bring it in, nothing happens. If the crop is left for too long, it's not able to be collected at all. This is why it's so important for us today to know that God has given every one of us gifts. And he has commanded us to use them. There's this massive adventure of a road trip that awaits us as a church, as God's church. Even just this one. The harvest is ready. The problem is there's not that many people that are willing to get in a car with people they don't know very well and make the journey. Sometimes it boils down to the fact that uh, we never go on the journey of serving together because we are so focused on what's happening in our small orbit. We're so focused on what's happening in our world. We don't go with anybody else. But the, the reality is that harvesting, it takes the focus off of our mission and it places it on God's mission.
and God's desire for us. I believe this with all my heart. So we come together with other believers and we work on this great harvest together. An amazing side effect is what we saw in Proverbs. If you want your life to feel more fulfilled, go serve others. Our soul is refreshed in the meantime. We've been talking for this entire series about our faith not remaining stationary. Just jump in a car, do the routine maintenance, put in the time and effort, and our faith is ready to take us places we have not ever been before. There's lots of you who are, I know you're serving uh, in this church. You have been for a long time. I'm so grateful for that. God honors it. But I also believe that today there's some of you that have gifts that God is calling you to put into action that you never have. Maybe they've been parked for a while and it's time to, to wake them up again. God's calling you into action. Get back in the car with the other crazy people. See where it takes you. It's calling you to be part of the harvest. As we've said so many times today, I hope you're hearing this. Everybody has gifts and talents that God has given them. Every single one of you. There is a place for everyone to serve. If you can order something on Uber Eats, if you can cook a bowl of soup, you can serve two young people today. Throw that QR code up there, you guys. This is Dominic. Andrea went and saw them uh, Friday night in the hospital. Just had their first little guy. Trying to do life the right way, honor God in everything they do. We still have a few spots on that thing. You scan that QR code. It's going to take you to a website where you can sign up to take them a meal. You buy them Chick-fil-A and take it over there. Cook them a can of soup, whatever it is. They are going to be just grateful that someone chose to serve them. This is a thing we can get in the car and do together. And there's not a single person in this room who can't do this. And if not this one, you'll have more chances because we do this when people have babies or people have surgeries or stuff like that. This is a way that every single one of you can serve. But I want to make you aware this morning of a, a couple places where you can specifically use your gifts and your willing heart today. One of those is kids ministry. You hear us all the time talk about kids. If we love the family, we can change the world. But to love the family, change the world, we need your help. Always. Um, we need some people to help in kids church. That means go. Miss Olga, she's incredible with kids. She needs someone to go in there and be her helper sometimes. Check in, peek kids, crowd control, play a game with the kids. We could use some people to be preschool teachers Wednesday or Sundays. We could use some people to help in nursery with the five or six new babies we have. But I'll tell you this, it sounds like a lot, but I'll tell you this, my wife makes a schedule, so this is how I know. Four people that decide to help once a month, it would greatly improve our ability to minister to kids. So if you have an hour and a half, one time a month, it would change everything as far as the way that schedule works. You don't have to have a perfectly developed talent to teach kids. But if you love kids, we'd, be, we'd love to talk with you about helping in our kids ministry at our church. After church, a lot of times you'll fill out a card or go sign up on a sign-up sheet. Don't do any of that stuff. Come find me. You know why you got to find me instead of Miss Sogo or my wife? Because they're teaching kids classes. If you want to help in kids, think you can help, and you can pass a background check, come find me. Another way you can help is in our coffee room. Are our coffee people still in here? Tanya and Katie. There's Katie right there. Yeah. We've got that thing restarted. So excited about it. Two people that volunteered one time a month. It would totally change everything as far as the capacity we have to provide a welcoming environment on Sundays. So grateful we have that thing open. There's so much we can do with a little bit of help. And right now, Tanya and Katie, they marathon that thing each week. They get here early, they stay till the end, they make coffee for everybody so we can welcome people in the name of Jesus. Two people would change it. I believe there's some of you 
that love people. You love coffee. You're teachable. By the way, we could probably get you a free coffee if you go work in that thing. And you have gifts you could start using. Yes, serving coffee is important in the harvest. Serving coffee is important in the harvest. Go see Tanya or Katie. Tanya's out there already. Katie's right here. Last thing, greeting, ushering you. There's people that shake your hand when you come in the door. There's people that pass the offering things around that help serve communion. If you want to serve in church and you're like, dude, this sounds awesome, but I don't know where to start. Here's the place to start. You can be a greeter or an usher. We could use some new faces to serve one time a month. One time a month. 12 times per year. And yes, shaking a hand, serving communion, doing it with a glad heart. That's participating in the harvest. It's that simple. Statistics say that people usually decide if they're going to come back to church within the first few minutes after walking in. And it's an easy way to get involved. And what happens is when you come help with something like that, you start to see what goes into making a Sunday happen. And you might just see parts of the trip that you want to be involved in. Gifts and talents that God has given you that would be greatly beneficial to helping others know him. Uh, if you want to help with that, Mary Ann Raise your hand, Mary, Mary Ann. She's right there. Now, Al usually heads up our greeters. Uh, he's a mentor treat. So go see Mary Ann if you think you can help us with greeting or ushering, and uh, we'll get you pointed in the right direction. These are not the only places to serve, just the few that I felt like I should mention today, just the ones I'm highlighting because they're areas of need. Last thing before we sing and prepare to close, I just want to tell you this. If you're hearing this online, later on, whatever, and you're not a believer, you don't understand all this Jesus and God and all this stuff. The reason we serve, the reason we love is because Jesus first loved us. Jesus, who's God's son, said in the New Testament, said that he came to serve and not to be served. And God asked his son Jesus to serve by coming to earth and giving his life. And Jesus did so willingly. If that's news to you, if you're like, boy, this story is blowing my mind, I have this book that I would love to give you. I'd encourage you, even as we sing, to ask God to speak to you as if he's real. And just listen for if your heart feels different. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to sing here in a minute. We sing and prepare to close. I just want to encourage you, ask God if it's time to set off on the road trip, see where it takes you. You just might find out how much fun it is to go on the adventure of serving together. How much you have in common with some people that you'd never have talked to otherwise. We're going to sing. I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute. But Lord, thank you for these awesome people who have come to church. Thank you for anyone who's listening to this. Thank you for those that are uh, hearing this who I know have served you faithfully for years or decades. And also, thank you for the gifts that we haven't discovered yet. Thank you, Lord. As we keep saying, every good and perfect gift comes from you. And I just pray that uh, you would help us to put those gifts into motion today. For those of us that have long dormant gifts, Lord, I pray that you would awaken those in us. For those that have a long dormant relationship with you, I pray you would awaken it within you today. They still might not be able to make sense of some things they know and some things they've seen, some things they felt, some things that have been done. But Lord, I pray you would just prove yourself real to them in this moment. Lord, as we sing, and as we walk into what you have for us in this new year, I pray that you would provide uh, the workers for the harvest to point people towards you. Pray these things in your name. Friends, would you stand this morning as we sing, and then we'll close. Thanks for joining us. 
If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.